This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Fundamental principles of freedom, rational self-interest, and individual rights. This is the Yaron Brook Show. All right, everybody, welcome to Yaron Brook Show on this uh, Saturday, Saturday evening. Hope everybody's having a fantastic weekend. And uh, you ready? You ready for uh, your on book show? Jonathan, thank you. Thanks for the support. Jonathan gets us rolling. Uh, we're going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act today and whether it's going to reduce any inflation. We'll talk about what's in it. We'll talk about its impact on the world. We'll talk about why I'm so passionate about attacks on stock buybacks. Um, and then and I saw an article on, on um, housing shortages. We've been talking about housing shortages that looked interesting. We'll talk about that a little bit. But mainly we're talking about Inflation Reduction Act. Of course, we also talk about anything you want me to talk about. That's what we have the Super Chat uh, on for you. You can use the Super Chat to ask me a question about anything, anything, really anything. Um, I promise um, not to get angry with you unless it's appropriate to get angry with you. For those of you who might have been um, listening to the end of the last show I did, um, I'll, I'll really try in the future to behave myself and ignore people who deserve to be ignored. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so uh, yes, you can use the Super Chat. We've always got a goal. It's $650. Catherine is here in the chat to try to encourage you to achieve the goal. Uh, if you'd like to support the show on a monthly basis, the best way right now to do that is on Patreon. You can go on Patreon. You can, you can choose the level. You can, uh, you, you know, uh, and, and then you can, it's just a monthly basis, and you can forget about You can forget it. And I love it because it's regular. It's, um, it's scheduled. I know what's coming. I can, you know, super chat revenue goes like this. Well, it's go like that. It keeps increasing, but it's generally gone like goes like this. It's harder. 
how to uh, uh, predict, but the monthly stuff is great. So uh, those of you who don't listen live, who don't participate in the Super Chat, but even those who do, it would be great to see you become supporters of the show, help us help us keep the show going and uh, help maybe grow it. All right. Um, just a reminder to everybody before we get started that I will be traveling the rest of the month. I'll be leaving on Wednesday, so uh, not sure yet what the schedule is going to be while I, uh, while I travel, but uh, I, I'm hoping to do uh, as many shows as I can. We'll see. Uh, certainly, there'll be a week there where I'm going to be off completely. I'll be off the grid, at least uh, vis-a-vis the show. Um, I think so, uh, but but I'll try to do as many shows as possible uh, it, leading up to that week to make up to make up for it, so uh, that we keep our pace. We do about fifteen to eighteen shows a month. Yeah, sometimes only twelve. Some I don't think we go above eighteen, but something around there, twelve to eighteen shows a month. We'll try to stick to doing uh, that. It's only going to get more difficult once my travel schedule really gears up in uh, late mid September to um, early December, um, where it's going to be constantly on the road. We'll have to see. I'll be doing shows from Tokyo, from Seoul, from Sao Paulo, from Buenos Aires, maybe from, I don't know how to pronounce it, the the capital of Paraguay, which is nice because I like adding countries I've never been to, to my list, but it looks like I will be, those of you listening, I will be in Brazil, I will be in Sao Paulo, if you'd like me to come out to one of your cities uh, and, and you can organize an audience for me in one of your cities, then um, please let me know. I'd love to go, in particular to Rio, but I'd love to go. I will also be in um, Buenos Aires. It looks like I'm going to be in Lima. I love Lima. Ooh, restaurants in Lima. Oh, my God, it's going to be so cool. So I'm going to be in Lima uh, and, and maybe in I can't pronounce it, the capital of Paraguay and in Buenos Aires. So hopefully, if you live in any of those cities, you can come, come, come to a live talk. That would be great. If, if, you, if you live somewhere in South America and you'd like me to come and you can organize a, a talk, let me know and I'll try to... I'll t- Asuncion. Asuncion, something like that. Anyway, any of those places, please come. We'll try to organize a talk. As I said, I will be... In Seoul, South Korea. So uh, hopefully, maybe if you guys are out there, we can we can meet up. I will be in Tokyo. There will be a public event in Tokyo that you'll be invited to, plus a, an event at the university. Uh, but there will be uh, an event organized by the Ayn Rand uh, Society. I think they call themselves that of in Tokyo of Japan. So that will be that'll be cool. So hopefully, if if I, I know I have some listeners in Japan and Korea, so uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you guys. And then starting in um, October, I'll be in Europe. So if there's anybody out there, again, I'm, 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 if there's anybody out there who would like to organize a talk for me at a university or a business group or anything, anywhere in Europe, anywhere in Europe, let me know. Let me know. So if, if, if you can bring in, if you can, if you can bring in 50 people, I will come. If you build it, they will come. Uh, so, uh, but let me know as soon as possible. Anywhere in Europe, uh, UK, uh, uh, yeah, that'll that'll work. Then, and then, of course, if if you want me to come in the US, the campus club or campus or any other kind of group in the US, let me know as well. So, generally, if you want me to come and speak, let me know. Uh, for student groups, 
usually there's no fee or there might be travel expenses or something, but it's pretty cheap uh, for business groups. We can we can talk about it and negotiate, but um, let me know what you guys would like and we will try to make it happen, uh, particularly a, uh, uh, Japan, South Korea. Uh, let's hope there's no war around then and then South America and then Europe, basically, anywhere in Europe, Eastern Europe, you know, probably excluding Russia and Ukraine. Probably anywhere else. I'll probably come. So uh, you can do it. Um, Tingabel says, I'd love to ask Yaron what he thinks about people spying on your work, on you and your work. Are they stable? Perhaps a bunch of nutcases. Who's spying on my work? People are spying on my work? I don't know what spying on my work means. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. The more, the better. Come spy. Come spy. Uh, maybe maybe I'll, I'll influence some of the spies. Maybe we'll shake them up a little bit. Maybe we'll convert a few of them to reason and egoism. Uh, that would be cool. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to say before we jump in? Nothing. You know, uh, uh, let's, uh, let's jump in on the... Um, Tax on uh, stock buyback. So, so here's the story. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act was uh, negotiated by Schumer and uh, Manchin. And this is the Build Back Better. You remember Build Back Better uh, that uh, Biden proposed? It was going to be a $4 trillion proposal. Then it was going to be a $2 trillion proposal. Then it was going to be a $1 trillion proposal. And Manchin basically said, Nah, I'm not. I'm not going for it. I'm not accepting it. Nothing of it. Um, and then he he went into I don't know some bar or some coffee shop or some basement with Schumer, and things happened over there. Who knows what happened? But um, Manchin was convinced to support a revised Build Back Better, to call it an Inflation Reduction Act. We'll talk about whether it reduces inflation later on, and um, and to sign on to it. And, and part of this act involves raising certain taxes, and we'll talk about those taxes when we talk about the bill itself. I want to focus now on, on one particular tax. Uh, originally, what Manchin had proposed was that as part of this, they get rid of the carried interest, uh, basically the ca- carried interest uh, for private equity. And I think it was just for private equity. Carried interest is, uh, you know, private equity and hedge funds typically at the end of the year, you calculate how much profit the fund made. And 20% of the profit is part of your compensation as a manager of a hedge fund or a um, or private equity fund. Sometimes it's 10%, sometimes 15 20% is relatively in the high end. Some funds that I know have charged 40% of the profit. But anyway, this percentage of the profit has always historically been taxed as a capital gains, as a long-term capital gains, and therefore uh, at a lot lower rate than regular income. Uh, and it's, it's basically, it's viewed as capital gains because it's a result of the gain in value of the enterprises that the business invested in. 
And it's a, it's a percentage of the total gain, 20% of the total gain. So it, there's a logic to why it's capital gains. It is capital, after all, uh, and not regular income. And therefore, it's taxed as a capital gain. Um, well, Democrats have hated this for a very long time. Some Republicans as well. Um, I think there was already a shrinking of uh, or limitation on how this is calculated for the purpose of calculating capital gains uh, under the uh, Trump bill from uh, uh, Trump tax bill from four years ago, from uh, 2018. So this is not a popular um, way to tax private equity and uh, hedge funds. Uh, Republicans and Democrats hate generally hate private equity and uh, and hedge funds. Uh, so this is a this is one they always go after, and uh, Mansion and Schumer included this as a way to raise revenue. Because one of the things Mansion insisted is, if you're going to spend money on quote climate change, then I insist you 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 know you raise some money as well, right? That 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 it's it, this is not just deficit spending. That that was the idea. So. They had originally in this bill, they had this idea of getting rid uh, of changing the, um, and I know this is pretty technical, but it's important. That they had this idea that that, they'd get rid of the uh, carried interest and tax it as regular income, and they were going to raise, I don't know, 80 billion or 100 billion uh, from this closing, uh, from this uh, difference. But then, the only person I know out there, well, except for me and a bunch of economists, the only politician I know who actually likes the carried interest tax rate, the only politician I know is Cinema, uh, the senator from uh, the, the the Democratic senator from Arizona. Cinema loves the carried interest lower tax rate. Now, why does she love it? God knows. But I think primarily because she gets a lot of money from private equity firms. Private equity firms contribute huge amounts of money to a PAC that supports her. Um, and, uh, and she is kind of known as the carried interest private equity senator. Like, just like Bob Dole was the ethanol senator. Cinema is the carried interest cinema uh, uh, senator. Try saying that fast. Carried interest cinema senator. Senator cinema. Cinema. Senator cinema. Carried interest senator cinema. Say that fast 20 times. Anyway, Democrats, in order to get this bill passed, they need every single Democratic senator to vote for it. Every single one of them. They can't lose cinema. So cinema basically went into a bunker last week in Arizona somewhere um, and came out of the bunker at some point late last week and said... No, we can't have this increase in taxes on uh, carried interest. Uh, that stays. That that's not going to change. Instead, how about we tax stock buybacks? So, for one kind of little item on a tax bill that nobody gives a damn about, to another little item on a tax bill that nobody cares about, but it's all about who's lobbying for whom and. Nobody's lobbying against the tax on stock buybacks because there's nobody directly loses, nobody directly gains. There's no, there's no, you know, special interest group. There's no pressure group out there, specific pressure group that can go, yeah, we're, we're going to fight stock buyback taxes. 
I mean, there probably is, but they haven't had time to organize yet. So instead of this, we're going to have a stock buyback tax in the Inflation Reduction Act that's going to raise about the equivalent of what they expected to raise with the, capital, with the carried interest. Don't know how high this tax is going to be. Uh, all the articles I read, I couldn't find how high it's going to be, when it's going to go into effect, who it's going to affect. Um, but it is definitely a tax that's going to be raised um, and uh, a new tax, completely new tax that doesn't exist today on stock buyback. So I thought, and that is a very long introduction, I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about stock buybacks because the other thing I read the other day, which was really interesting, was that Apple has just issued a bunch of bonds. In other words, Apple has gone out there and borrowed five, I can't remember how many, $50 billion. I mean, some astronomical amount of money. They borrowed some astronomical amount of money in the capital markets from bondholders at a, I don't know, I think at 5 6% because Apple can raise money at very low rates because it's a very, quote, safe company. And they're using that money, among other things, to buy back their stock, which is interesting. Now, why would you go into debt to buy back your stock? That seems strange, right? Seems strange. So... What is Apple doing? And is Apple still going to do it when now the stock buyback is going to be taxed by the Democrats? It's going to be taxed by Congress. So what are stock buybacks? So think about a company like Apple or, or, or for that matter, any profitable company out there that is that has stock trading on the exchange and uh, – Stock uh, trading on the exchange, and um, that stock is linked to obviously the the future profitability of the company. And uh, you know, if if uh, and the company has a lot of cash because it's very profitable, has a lot of cash on its books. What what can it do with that cash? What can it do with that cash? Because shareholders don't like it when companies have a lot of cash on their books. Why, why don't shareholders like it when companies have a lot of cash in their books? Well, what are they going to, you know, you don't get a lot of interest on the, on the cash. Like uh, the company is generating a profit, a return on equity, a return on asset, but the cash is just sitting there. It's not getting a return. It's getting what, what are the checking accounts pay these days? What are, some low interest rate. That's ridiculous. So it's not a very good use of the company's money just sitting there as cash on the books. So shareholders want the company to do something with that cash. Now, what are the possibilities of what the company could do? Well, the company could invest the money. But what kind of investments are going to make shareholders happy? What kind of investments are going to make shareholders happy? Well, the kind of investments that generate a significant return, a return that is greater or equal to, like, what kind of the stock returns. So the investment that the company makes has to be a, um, what we call a net 
positive value, net present value, right? In, in present value terms, it has to be positive. Once we look at all the investment, money in, and all the money coming out, all the profits coming back, and we discount it to today, it has to be profitable. So that's one thing the company could do with the money. Oh, by the way, there's another reason why shareholders don't like companies to have a lot of stock on their books. One is it just sits there and it doesn't get a return. What's the second one? Anybody know what the second one is? Curious if you know what the other reason is. The shareholders don't want companies to sit on a lot of cash in their bank account. Because companies with a lot of cash in their bank accounts can get lazy and cocky and wasteful. There's no urgency to being efficient. There's no urgency to being profitable. There's no urgency to maximize shareholder wealth because they have a lot of cash. If they have a bad year, they can use some of the cash, no problem. Whereas if you don't have cash on the books, now if you have a bad year, you have to go to capital markets and ask for capital. You have to do something about it. Or maybe you have to trim expenses. You have to change the kind of maybe operations. You have to find ways to make the business profitable so that you can get, so that you can survive. So companies get big, lazy, sluggish, uncompetitive when they have a lot of cash on the books. And they don't suffer when they do badly quite as fast, quite as well. Okay, so that's two reasons. And one way in which to get rid of that cash, invest it in projects, in businesses that can generate cash, generate, sorry, generate profit for the business, for the underlying corporation, for the shareholders. Second thing you can do with the cash, you can give it to shareholders. You can give it to shareholders. It's theirs. It's money you don't need right now. Let's say you don't have any good investments. You can just give it to shareholders. Now, how do you give it to shareholders? Well, there are two ways of giving it to shareholders. One is you can give it to them through dividends. You can pay them a dividend. And most companies, most corporations pay dividends. You can increase the dividend. Or you can have a one-time dividend and give them the cash. The problem with the dividend is the dividends are taxed like regular income. So shareholders don't particularly want you to pay them a dividend because the tax rate is pretty high. Ah, but there's another way you can give it to shareholders. You can buy back their stock. You can buy back their stock. Now, if you buy back their stock, they pay and they make a profit because you bought the stock at a higher price. They make a profit. They pay capital gains on that stock. That capital gains is taxed at a lower rate. So stock buybacks are a way of companies to deliver the cash to shareholders and allow them to take on a lower tax rate. A lower tax rate, right? Now note that uh, capital gains taxes and dividend taxes are a form of double taxation. 
Because remember that the corporation gets taxed and then it takes its after-tax dollars and hands out the dividends of the stock buyback and then it's taxed again at the individual level. So um, dividends uh, in, in capital gains are double taxation, double jeopardy. It should be banned. Just, just something else that's of interest since we're talking about all this and corporate taxes and everything. Hopefully this is interesting to you guys. Corporations don't pay taxes and businesses don't pay tax. Corporations don't pay taxes on the, di- on the interest payments they make on the debt that they take. So for example, if I want to fund a project as a, as a business, it's cheaper for me to borrow money than to raise money in the stock market. Because the interest I pay on the borrowed money is not taxed. You deduct it from earnings, so you don't pay corporate taxes on it. But the dividends I pay are taxed at the corporate level and at the individual level. The interest gets taxed only at the individual level. So, by the way, that's a way to make sure that businesses, uh, businesses are over leverage they have too much debt so one way to guarantee that businesses will have too much debt is to do what i just described which is exactly what's going on in america today now we're going to triple tax triple tax three taxes stock buybacks we're going to tax them at the level we're going to tax the income at the level of the corporate tax we're going to tax the capital gains at the level of the individual when they sell their stock, and we're going to tax the transaction. So what our Democratic senators are saying to us, what Democrats more broadly are saying to us is, we don't want businesses to give shareholders their money back. We don't want businesses to give the money to the people who actually own the business, Right? There's a, there's a good quote. Let me see. If I, yeah, this, here's the quote from Schumer, right? Or it's Chuck Schumer. He says, I hate stock buybacks. Everybody hates stock buybacks. I think they're one of the most self-serving things that corporate America does. Companies instead should be investing in worker training, research, modernizing equipment, and other activities. Now, should... Companies always be investing in worker training, research, modernizing equipment, and other activities. Not if they have negative economic value. If they have a negative economic value, they shouldn't be investing in those things. And if a corporation can't find good investments for their money, they should return the money to shareholders. It's theirs. And... It's not self-serving for the managers, for the, quote, corporation, whatever the hell that is. It is self-serving for shareholders, but it's their corporation. It's private property. It's, I mean, this campaign against stock buybacks has been going on for like 20 years. I've been hearing about it. Finally, Democrats seem to figure out how to stop share buybacks by taxing them. When you tax something, you get less of it. 
Um, but from an economics perspective, from purely economics perspective, this is insanity. It's destructive. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a way uh, to reduce value in corporate America. It's to reduce share value. By the way, why did, um, why did Apple take on debt in order to buy back stocks? It's a, it's a tax and interest rate arbitrage. You can, the return on Apple stock is much higher than interest rates. So they match rather, this is the consequence of the Federal Reserve keeping interest rates so low. We have... <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Real negative interest rates in the United States right now. Borrow money at negative interest rates. Give the, you know, give the money to shareholders. The interest you pay on the debt that you took is tax deductible. So that negative interest rate is even lower. Negative real interest rate, right? Given inflation is at 9%. You're paying 7%. That's a negative 2% real interest rate. And if you then can deduct from taxes, it's even lower than that. That's a beautiful thing. I would do that all day long. I would do that all day long. If I could increase my mortgage right now at the interest rate that I got it at, three and, and, and three quarters, now I can't deduct the mortgage interest in Puerto Rico, but if, if you're in the United States, you have fixed rate mortgage for 30 years at, I don't know, three, 4%, and you can increase that loan. Of course you should increase that loan. Because as... Inflation speeds up, then the nominal value of your home goes up, the value of your debt doesn't, it goes down, and you, you make a killing. So yeah, so this is just, it's just, this is the kind of tax that's infuriating. It's the kind of tax that nobody's going to really speak up against. You're not seeing Republicans apoplectic about this. Nobody cares about this because it's stock buybacks. Everybody hates that. But it is an unbelievably destructive tax. It's the kind of tax that's going to have all kinds of little impacts out there, going to change corporate behavior, going to change the way businesses do business. It's going to increase the amount of cash that corporations have on their books. It's going to make corporations just a little bit lazier, a little bit less efficient, a little bit prone to invest in stupid projects. And it's not something anybody's going to rush to get rid of. 
It's one of those things that once they get instituted is going to be with us forever. And super destructive, completely stealth. Nobody out there cares. So cinema, cinema changed it from carried interest to this. I mean, carried interest would have been a disaster as well. It would have had hurt the private equity industry, which is an incredibly important industry. Um, you know, but again, nobody would have cared about that. Again, as I said, the, the Trump bill from 2018 already started to shrink the carried interest. So it, it truly is one of these little tweaks they make to tax code that ultimately is going to have profound impacts down the road. And this is the kind of analysis you won't hear in anybody else's show. All right. um, think about it this way. What this is, is a tax on capital. A tax on capital, when you tax capital, what do you get? You get less of it. Uh, a tax on stock buybacks is a tax on capital, means less capital, which ultimately, long-term, means less investment, less good investments, and a complete disaster. Um, this is a tax that will cause corporations to become bigger, lazier, less efficient, less productive. Makes it harder for them to shrink. How do they get rid of all the cash? They can give it as dividends or they can do the stock buyback, but that has very negative tax consequences on shareholders. So it just means the corporations are going to invest it in stupid th drink stuff and grow it. And look, what I'm saying about tax, about stock buybacks, I mean, I don't think he'll admit it, but even Paul Krugman knows this. I mean, everybody knows this. This is not Austrian economics. This is not some sophisticated theory. This is not some, this is like standard finance 101. This is what you learn in a good finance 101 class. You would learn this in every school, every university, everywhere. Even leftist finance professors teach this. This is straight out of basic financial theory. Now, the real reason, the real reason here is that it punishes the big guys. It punishes the greedy, the perception of. It punishes stockholders, which the perception of is the rich, when it really stockholders are, many of them are just pension plans that all of us have. And Democrats can get away with that. And, and, you know, if they'd raise taxes, like if they'd raised income taxes or anything like that, even if they'd raised income taxes on the rich, um, direct taxes, there would have been, people would have been upset. First of all, the, uh, wow, Todd, thank you. <laughs> Todd just did $500 saying, I love stock buybacks. This proposal, they are say stupid. Stupid is too nice. It's an evil proposal. It's stupidity, but it's injected with real evil. Real evil. Thank you, Todd. Particularly given, you know, this is going to hurt your bottom line. We are, you know, stock buybacks. 
Stock buybacks are the way to get underutilized capital into shareholders' hands so that they can better invest it. And when you limit that, what you do is you keep the capital as underutilized. You don't effectively allow for the allocation of capital. And that's what... And, and the left has been attacking, has been attacking stock buybacks for so long, so often, and it's just part of the culture. Everybody seems to hate stock buybacks. I mean, on the news, we hear it, it you know, again, people like Tucker Carlson. Oh, my God. Tucker Carlson hates stock buybacks. He thinks stock buybacks are the devil's scheme to destroy the country. So nobody's going to care about this. Everybody's going to love it. Nobody's going to make a big deal out of it. So it's an easy tax for them. Cinema gets her uh, supporters, her crony supporters, to give her the thumbs up. Although, And nobody is going to be offended by this one. I'll have to find a good Tucker Carlson clip to show you, because I know some of you don't believe me, um, about, uh, about stock buybacks. Because I know... Yeah. Ah. All right, what do we what do we want here? Um, <laughs> yeah, Fox Fox is uh, Fox as a company uh, does a lot of stock buybacks. Uh, let me see. Right, almost all the financial commentators are making fun of this because it's ridiculous. All right, uh, again, if you want to understand some of the principles involved in this kind of financial transactions, I encourage you to watch the movie Other People's Money, uh, where uh, Danny DeVito explains a lot of really cool principles of finance in entertaining, understandable terms. You know, the story plus. Danny DeVito, and where Gregory Peck is the bad guy. I love it. Danny DeVito, the good guy. Gregory Peck, the bad guy. Other people's money. A must-see movie. All right. Um, Let's talk more broadly about um, the Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, first of all, I don't know if you know this term. Do you know this term, chutzpah? Um, uh, chutzpah is uh, a Hebrew term, uh, very unique. I don't think there's another word uh, like it in any other language. It's kind of the gall, the audacity, the the. But it's chutzpah. Is, it, it's got an edge to it. It's gall and audacity, kind of. To call this bill, the Inflation Reduction Act, is is, you know, ballsy. It's not balls, no. Unmitigated gall. Yeah, it's kind of unmitigated gall. No, balls is like courage. Chutzpah is not courage. Chutzpah is like... Chutzpah is Yiddish? Maybe chutzpah is Yiddish, but it's used in Israel. It's used in Hebrew. It's, it's a word we all use, right? And 
it takes a lot of gall to call this bill the Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, the only thing that Congress can do to actually reduce inflation, actually it can do two things. It can raise taxes or it can reduce spending. And of course, between those two, it's clear which one's better, reduce spending. Because raising taxes, yes, it takes money out of the economy. And if the government doesn't spend that money, then that money is gone. And that's good to fight inflation. But it also reduces economic activity. So it reduces supply. So while it reduces demand, it also ultimately reduces supply. So it's not clear what it does. But if you take out money on the spending side, you stop spending. And you convince the market that you're serious about paying off the debt, that would actually have a profound impact on reducing inflation. So why are they calling this the Inflation Reduction Act? Well, because they've got this little gimmick in there. When on the one hand, they're raising taxes, and then they're using some of that to, quote, buy back some debt, right, to reduce the deficit. $300 billion in this bill is going to go to reducing the deficit. The deficit last year was around $2 trillion. <laughs> and they are going to spend $300 million, right, $300 million to reduce the deficit. I think this is over 10 years, so this is, it's just a joke. It's pathetic and it's ridiculous. And the idea is this, they're reducing the deficit, and this should reduce inflation expectations, reduce the amount of government money that's going out there into the world, and therefore reduce inflation. But they're ignoring the fact that at the same time, they're also spending another $400 billion on all this other stuff. So all it is, is a shell game. But it allows Mnuchin to go out there and say, no, 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 this isn't just a spending bill. This is a deficit reduction bill, which, again, is a blatant, unmitigated lie. By the way, this whole situation we're in, this whole situation we're in, is 100% the consequence of the fact that the Republicans lost the Senate. I mean... The real tragedy of the 2020 election was that the Republicans couldn't win a single Senate seat from the state of Georgia. There were two available, and they couldn't win one in Georgia. Let me say that again. They couldn't win one Senate seat in Georgia, and Democrats got... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Both of them. That's why we're in this mess. One Senate seat. And the Democrats couldn't do any of this. So if you want to blame anybody for this nuttiness that the Democrats are going to inflict on us, it's Trump who managed uniquely talented, managed through his unique talent, not only to lose the House in 2018, not only to lose the presidency in 2020, but to lose both Senate seats in Georgia. I mean, that is a hell of a loser. Hell of a loser. Of course, it's Trump's fault. There's no way. There's no way Republicans lose two Senate seats, if not for Trump. In Georgia, it's 100 percent Trump's bizarre, crazy, insane behavior after the election. Remember that both Senate seats were decided in January in a runoff. And what did Trump spend the next the two months after November? He spent them fighting with Georgia election officials about he didn't lose Georgia. He won Georgia, you know, election fraud. And he spent that instead of helping the two Republicans win those seats. Both Republicans should have won those seats. We should have a 52 to 48 Senate right now. And the only reason we don't is because of Trump's ridiculous, absurd, and ultimately for Republicans and for the country, suicidal uh, uh, behavior after the election in November. And that's what, why he lost Georgia. He could easily win Georgia. And, and indeed, the only reason Trump lost Georgia to Biden is because it was Trump. Any other Republican would have beaten Biden in Georgia. It, I mean, there's just no question about it. All right. So Inflation Reduction Act, uh, it, it's a scam. It's a shell game. There's no real reduction here. There's a lot of new spending uh, and, uh, you know, here's, here's one little aspect of this bill, uh, which, which, again, has changed recently, just changed uh, in an important way. So one of the things the Democrats wanted to do was they wanted to use this bill to reduce the cost of drugs for Americans. And the way they were going to do that was to have Medicare as a totality buy drugs from drug companies and negotiate drug prices as a group with the drug companies. Now, that would basically allow Medicare to squeeze the drug companies, to squeeze any last profit out of the drug companies, and to basically sell to Medicare drugs at a very low price, maybe as low as Canada or as low as Europe, because, again, they have group bargaining power as well. Now, what would happen? Drug companies still have to make money. They still have to make money for research and development. They still have to have a profit so they can 
fund themselves and keep themselves going. Um, and they still need to return a capital. Otherwise, no invested, no capital will be invested in drug companies. So uh, drug companies, if, if the price on Medicare and drugs on Medicare is going to go down, then drug companies are going to raise prices on the rest of us. And those of us who are not in Medicare, on private insurance, our drug prices are going to go up. Now, Democrats realize this. They know this is what has to happen. This is basic economics. So what they had in the bill was, uh, again, forcing drug companies to pay uh, to, to get a lower price when they sell to Medicare, but then a prohibition, a prohibition on drug companies raising the prices for private insurance. In other words, completely squeezing drug companies for all the profits that they have. And by the way, drug companies are not more profitable than other companies out there. So it's not like drug companies are, you know, uh, uh, super profitable. They're just averagely profitable, and they're not going to be very profitable at all, if at all, after this. So Medicare is going to negotiate. That's already been done. But what's turned out is, for a variety of reasons that have to do with Senate rules and what can pass the Senate, what can't pass the Senate, uh, at a 51 to 49 uh, or 50, 50, 51 to 50 vote versus, so this is uh, reconciliation. What can be counted as reconciliation? So in reconciliation, you can't, um, you can't basically uh, filibuster. So you can get around the ability of the Republicans to filibuster in the Senate. But this cap, the, 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 the banning of insurance companies, to, uh, of drug companies to raise the prices of the drugs in private for private Users for private ins- uh, insurance companies, that was deemed illegitimate to include in the bill. So now what we have in this bill that everybody's excited about, Mnuchin and all these guys, is Medicare is going to squeeze the drug companies and the drug companies are going to raise our prices. So expect insurance costs to go up, Drug costs to go up, maybe co-pays on drugs to go up. But generally, all of us who are not in Medicare or not in Medicaid are going to pay higher prices for drugs one way or another. This is in the United States. Now, note that the United States private health care system, to the extent that it exists, already subsidizes research and development of drugs for the entire world, where drug drug companies make almost no profit in Europe, in Canada, in other places. And note also, so there's a a massive subsidy that, that American consumer, us, are paying in order to subsidize Europe, Canada, and the rest of the world. On top of that, Medicare, by its nature, is a massive redistribution of wealth from young and healthy people to old and sick people. You pay into it, and it goes out as Medicare. We all pay a Medicare tax, and it's a high tax, and it all goes out to people when they're sick. But what you're not told is for every dollar you put into Medicare, on average, you will take out four. 
So it's not just the money you pay for Medicare that goes out. It's four times that. It's much of the taxes that you pay. And over time, a growing, ever-growing percentage of your taxes that you pay go to pay for Medicare. So the young and the healthy are dramatically, in a massive way that nobody talks about, subsidizing the old and the sick. And now, with this bill the Democrats just passed, the young and the healthy, or the young and the sick, the young and the sick, and the young and the healthy, are going to be subsidizing the old. Anybody who's on Medicare is not going to be subsidized by people who are not on Medicare. I mean, this bill, just this one bill, is catastrophic when it comes to drug pricing, unless you're old and sick. And, and, and then, uh, you know, the government is paying for your drugs and the government will pay less for your drugs. You don't care anyway. But if you're young, your health care costs just went up significantly. All right, some more things about the Inflation Reduction Act. There's so much to say about this. God, we've already gone almost an hour. All right, probably won't get to housing shortage, but let's, let's cover this quickly. Um, one of the things that this new bill has, uh, some, some of the economic stuff, and then we'll go to some of the climate change stuff. Some of the things economic is, is a new 15% U.S. minimum corporate tax. Now, if you know anything about corporate taxes, you go, wait a minute. What do you mean a 15% U.S. minimum corporate tax? We already have corporate taxes that are 21%. Why 15? I mean, that's lower. Don't we want higher taxes? All right, so this is how it works. You get to pay the 21% just like you used to, right? You get, you take your revenue and you cut out all the expenses and all the depreciation and everything else, then you come up with a number, right? And then that number you calculate 21% of. That's how we've always paid corporate taxes in America. Now what they're saying is you're going to do that, and then you're going to do a second calculation without a lot of these deductions and with only some of the depreciation. So the number you're going to come at the end of is higher than the number you would have before this new bill. And now you're going to take 15% of this higher number. So you'll have 21% of one number and 15% of another number. And you're going to, the government is going to pick the higher among those two. And that's your tax bill. So some people who might have, for a variety of reasons, I don't know, in, uh, invested or uh, had a lot of depreciation or invested some of the money in certain things that were deductible and, and their profits for tax purposes were close to zero and therefore paid no income tax or paid very little income tax, now are going to pay a lot more taxes because now their tax bill is going to be 15%. Before all these deductions and before this depreciation. In other words, another way to increase taxes on businesses, which in a way is another capital tax, which is in a way another way in which investment gets reduced, or employment gets reduced, or because when you raise the cap when you raise 
uh, corporate taxes. When you raise corporate taxes, two things, three things potentially happen. Investments go down. Employment goes down. You hire fewer people. Or prices go up. That's always what happens. So the people who pay for higher corporate taxes are employees, sorry, wages go down. Uh, uh, employees by wages going down, less investment, and higher prices. That's what the Democrats just did. Less investment, lower wages, higher prices. And this is the um, Inflation Reduction Act, and yet this is inflation enhancing. Again, this is not economic, um, economically difficult. This is, not, this is not rocket science. Nobody cares, though. Again, it's a little item. It sounds pretty good, 15% minimum tax for corporations. Who could be against that, 15%? That's really, really low. I thought it used to be 30%, so it's gone down. That's cool. But people don't realize that this is, this is, this is a real tax increase, a real tax increase. And as a consequence, will result low wages, low investment, higher prices. That's what corporate taxes do. We can run through that one day if you, if you guys want. All right. Um, so that is, uh, that is corporate tax rate. And then we're finally left with, I think we covered this the previous show. The government placing itself in a position as it did with the CHIP Act, which many Republicans voted for, as it did with the CHIP Act, in a position to centrally plan our economy. In this case... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We're going to centrally plan energy. We're going to give tax credits to the people we like. We're going to penalize the people we don't. We're going to increase the cost of methane or tax on methane. And we're going to go out there and figure out who's producing more methane or who's releasing more methane into the atmosphere. Methane is a byproduct of drilling for natural gas. Um, So this is a, a penalty on drilling for natural gas, probably the cleanest energy source we have today in abundance in America. This is going to subsidize a bunch of electric cars and um, uh, all kinds of electric fueling stations and all kinds of nonsense. By the way, it will 
only provide you with a tax credit on your electric car if the battery in the car has no has uh, is made with parts that have all been produced in the United States or a country with a special treaty with the United States. In other words, not China. Now, the fact is that almost all batteries are produced in China. Now, that's going to change because you won't get the tax credit if it's produced in China, so this will all move to some other place. So they'll play the game of moving the chips around. But that was Mnuchin, who cares more about penalizing China than he does about... um, actual electric cars. So you get a bunch of provisions, subsidies. You know, you've already got so many subsidies and so many tax credits and so much regulations and controls. And all this bill does is increases all of that. It increases the number of subsidies and regulations and controls. It frees up some areas in the energy sector, but it clamps down on other areas. It gives tax credits here and then increases taxes over there. It's just a mishmash to make a complicated world much more complicated. I mean, I'm all for getting rid of all subsidies, tax breaks, tax loopholes, whatever, to all energy companies. Let's get rid of them for everything. For oil and gas, and for solar and wind, and for nuclear. And then we should get rid of a bunch of regulations around nuclear. Let's truly have competitive energy markets. That's how you'll lower energy. And if what the left is telling us is true, I hear this all the time. People are telling me this. Oh, no, solar now is as cheap as gas. Solar is super cheap. Now, it turns out that instead of being dependent on Saudi Arabia and Russia, an OPEC for oil will be dependent on China for solar panels. But that's okay. We can move production elsewhere. But solar panels are so cheap. Energy is so cheap, except at night and except when the sun doesn't shine. But other than that, it's so cheap. If that's true, then let's have a real competition out there. Let's take all these restrictions off and see who wins. I mean, it's not even that I'm worried about money getting invested in solar and wind and not getting invested in natural gas, and that's going to cause power outages and inefficiency and how it costs the energy. I mean, all that's going to happen. All that's going to happen. But the fact is that all these regulations and subsidies and controls and, 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 and tax credits and all these so distort the allocation of capital, so distort what we spend our money on. We don't even know what's expensive and what's not. We don't know the true prices of things because everything is distorted and perverted by, again, subsidies, tax credits, regulations, and taxes. Don't forget taxes, right? And and, and taxes on some things, but on others, we just talked a bunch about all that. Those things are subtle. You don't always realize the exact effect they're going to have, but they are things that destroy 
economic progress, destroy economic growth. If you want economic growth, what you want is simple rules by which producers and consumers, but primarily producers, are governed. You want simple so that capital can be allocated to its more productive use, not after taxes and after I manipulated and after I got my tax credit and after I appeased this regulation. No, just I want to allocate my capital to where I'm going to get the highest return on it. And I should be completely, taxes assume it's going to be taxed. But taxes should be simple, straightforward. Not now we have a 21% rate and we have a 15% rate and we have to qualify for this or qualify for that. Then we have tax credits and we have uh, 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 depreciation and some depreciation is fast and some depreciation is slow and some is on real estate and some is on this and this is treated that way and that's treated that way. And you have to have a PhD in accounting to even know what your tax liability is. That in and of itself is economically destructive. Have a higher rate but simple, flat, would be a massive improvement. And the same with energy. Even if you want to penalize fossil fuels, okay, put a, just a tax, like a a 5% tax on the use of fossil fuels, one, across the board. Get rid of the regulations, get rid of the restrictions, get rid of the tax credits, get rid of all the little gimmicky things and all the manipulated things with, and just, you don't like fossil fuels, fine, tax it. If you tax something, you get less of it. But then everything can adjust. People know what it costs. They can reallocate capital appropriately. And you just figure it out. But when you hide, when you deceive, when you create these multiple taxes, taxes and taxes and taxes and taxes, nobody knows what the hell is going on. And nobody cares. All you're doing is providing jobs to accountants and lawyers and IRS agents. By the way, the Inflation Reduction Act is adding 80 billion, 80, 80 billion dollars to the IRS to enhance its ability to, 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 to bring in revenue. I mean, can you believe these people? They're going to spend 80 billion dollars. 80 billion dollars. To get more IRS agents, to buy better computers, so they can track what we do even better. I mean, this is true insanity, again. And what's anybody going to do about it? Nothing. This bill will pass probably within a couple of weeks. And... uh, Nobody will understand why the economy is not growing. Nobody will understand why we've got stagflation. People will blame lots of different things. But nobody ever goes back and undoes all the garbage and all the nonsense and all the damage and all the destruction. Bills like this and the chip bill, which again, I can't remember how many Republicans, 15, 16 Republicans voted for. It's unbelievable the amount of money Congress is spending right now in the midst of inflation, 9%. And if you measured it the way you measured it in the 70s, 14, 15, 16%. 
And it's not going away. Yes, gas prices have come down. But I don't know if you saw the job numbers from yesterday. Companies are hiring like crazy, which means demand is not going to be mitigated. More people are working. More people get paychecks. More people are going out there and buy stuff. And wages are rising. People have more money. This is exactly how you get inflationary spirals. And Congress continues to spend like a drunken sailor. I don't know. The drunken sailor spend a lot of money. So we're not, we're not behaving like there's real inflation in the United States. Nobody seems to care. Not Republicans, not Democrats, nobody. Anyway. It's, it's, a, it's a real mess. And again, it's, it's the kind of, this is the kind of bill that's going to have lasting, long-term, horrible uh, consequences. And notice that the left is super excited about this bill. Um, they'd given up on Build Back, build back Better because they thought they'd never get it passed. But what this bill is, is the largest expenditure we have ever seen on things like solar and on different tax credits and subsidies and all the things the left loves when it comes to solar and wind and penalizing fossil fuels. So um, truly horrific, truly horrific um, horrific consequences, standard of living. Just how all of our standard of living. All right. So that's what I have to say um, about the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, I won't talk about housing shortages now. I've talked about them in the past. I'll talk about them next time. But uh, so we will get to them. All right. So let's look at some of the super chats. Um, wow, we made it again to 650. Thank you, um, particularly Todd who made it possible. He's the one, he's the guy who loves stock buybacks. I, I mean, like I love stock buybacks and Todd, like the only guy I know who also loves stock buybacks. So we, we, we share a love. And, uh, you know, if you understand their economic purpose, if you understand how they work, if you understand it's a way for companies to give their money back to shareholders and, and re- reduce taxes, I mean, I wish we didn't have stock buybacks. But the way to get rid of stock buybacks is to make the dividend tax zero. If the dividend tax was zero, then we wouldn't have stock buybacks, don't need stock buybacks, and everybody, everything would be great. Uh, and it would eliminate a double taxation. So I propose that we make dividend tax zero, capital gains taxes zero, then you can ban stock buybacks, it doesn't matter. Right? doesn't matter pay it all as a dividend. So this triple taxation, which is this new tax on stock buybacks, is truly horrific. So thank you, Todd. Really, really appreciate that. It's Todd for 500 bucks, 500 US dollars, not other currencies, US dollars. So that's amazing. Um, and, and that means the rest of you is 200 bucks. So uh, I'm going to give you a break under the assumption that you'll come in next time 
and get us to 650 as Todd did this time. All right, Travis for 50 bucks says, I recently got a massive raise. A massive raise. That sounds phenomenal. Massive raise. That's great, Travis. Congratulations. Saving to start own business. Even better. Really exciting. Feeling discouraged about it. Why when it will be regulated and made dead on arrival? It sucks. I mean, this is the real cost of statism. It's not the money. It's not the taxes. People will pay. It's the demoralizing effect of, one, the fact that you know you're going to work your butt off, you're going to really invest in this, you're going to think it through, you're going to work hard, you're going to put your best effort to it, and then half of your income is going to go to the government. That's just demoralizing. The other half might be a lot of money and, and you'll be fine, but the idea of it is demoralizing. And then add to that, which I think is much worse than the money, is the regulation. The fact that you don't know once you start this business and get it going, will the government allow you? Will the government pass a law that regulates what you're doing? that controls what you're doing, that limits and constrains you. Imagine if you're starting a a biotech company. You don't know what the FDA is going to do. Even if you figure out how to solve the problem of aging, will they approve the drug? There's evidence they won't, even if it works, even if it allows people to live to 1,000. Will the government allow it? You're now like a, a surf in feudalism where you literally have to ask permission. Oh, please, oh, master, can I live a little longer, please? Will you let me? FDA is not necessary. The FDA is a travesty. If the FDA is necessary, then all government regulations are necessary. Then, then the whole scheme of the Democrats is necessary. Then there's no capitalism if the FDA is necessary. Once the FDA is necessary, capitalism is impossible. And the FAA is necessary, and the SEC is necessary. Everything is necessary. So, yeah, I get it, Travis, and it does suck. And I hope it doesn't drain you from motivation because starting your own business is something you should definitely try and do in spite of these bastards, in spite of the fact that you're going to work, have to work even harder, struggle even more than you actually should. So, yeah, I, I completely get it. And, and, and think of how many entrepreneurs there are out there, potential entrepreneurs who get discouraged, who don't even know that that's the reason they're discouraged. How many innovations in biotech, in healthcare, in longevity are not even tried? There's no even an attempt to take the marketplace. Because why even bother? take too long, too expensive, and some stupid bureaucrat just says no, and you're done. Yeah, it's... We've got a war on our hands. This is the real battle. This is the real battle. You know, they can fight. 
their stupid culture wars, but this is the real battle. This is the battle for progress. The battle for progress. You know, the culture wars can be fought all the way down to the Middle Ages if we don't have economic progress. And nobody cares about progress. Everything now, right now, on the Republican side is all about the culture wars. It's all about that. Progress? Growth? Economic growth? Yeah, that's boring. Who cares about that? Oh, by the way, you know, since we're talking about negative news, did you guys, since I gave you the good news about Kansas, did you see what Indiana just did? And again, this is, um, this is debunking any one of you who thinks that the abortion debate is about the last trimester, about viability. Indiana basically just barred all abortions from day one, except in the cases of incest and rape and danger to the life of the mother, but the standards are pretty high and, you know, somebody has to make, some official has to make a decision and they are liable to be, to be prosecuted if they make the wrong decision. So abortion was never about the final trimester, it was never about viability. It was always about the clump of cells in the first three months. And the first three months, it's a clump of cells. I don't know if you know, saw the story um, this last week, which was very exciting from a scientific perspective, that in Israel they managed to take a um, skin cells and turn the skin cells into a mouse embryo. So I think we should now protect skin cells because it's life. It can become an embryo. It has the potential to be a human being. So we should protect skin cells. So unbelievable, Indiana is the first state since Roe to um, pass a law banning all abortions, including in the first trimester. Just disgusting and despicable and depressing and medieval. Medieval is the word that comes to mind. And, and these are the people that are going to, you know, we should vote for, we should get excited about to defeat the Democrats. We should, we should vote for medievalists. All right. More questions. Iran. Ties. Never. All YBS thumbnails. Wear tie. What gives? The show's gene was... I have no idea what that meant. None of that. What did that mean? Other than I don't want to wear a tie. And you guys, some of you want me to wear a tie. Not wearing a tie. The show with Jean was great. She was awesome. Watch twice, thanks. I'm really glad you enjoyed it. That's great. And, and notice, notice this interesting fact. You enjoyed it in spite of the fact that I didn't wear a tie. I don't know how that happened. Um, all right. Thank you, can't pronounce, Annex. We'll call you Annex. All right. Um, Stephen Porter. You know, we should really get to 1000 bucks today, given that we made it a 650 so quickly because of Todd. You know, you guys should be able to raise $500 on top of Todd's $500, you'd think. Anyway, Stephen, 
Any idea how much the Biden administration will spend by 2024? Like five, no, I don't, like five trillion, 10 trillion, 20 trillion. I don't know. I mean, uh, Biden, uh, the, you know, I don't have the numbers, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a lot. Um, it's not going to be that much more than Trump spent in his four years, given all the, all the stuff that he did during COVID. And of course, he was spending all that money before COVID. I mean, and I think that once Republican gained the House, it looks like right now I would predict that the Republicans don't win the Senate, primarily because they've nominated a bunch of losers who I don't think can beat the Democrats. But I think they will win the House. Once they win the House, they will clamp down on spending. So, you know, Republicans are very good. Republicans are very good when they're in opposition. So, um, in, you know, they, they, they will stop the Biden administration from spending. So this is, these two bills uh, are the last bills that uh, Biden is going to get through that involve spending a lot of money. That's it. Everything else, I think, is actually going to cut spending. I think Republicans will force him to cut spending in uh, the last two years of administration. That's what happened with, with uh, Obama. As soon as Republicans got in, they cut a deal and they started shrinking spending as a percent of GDP. Uh, friend Harper. Friend Harper writes, some academics claim being successful in business depends a lot on luck. What's your position on that for my friend again? Luck is the residue of preparation. Quote that I don't remember the source of. I don't remember. I mean, frankly, I thought, I thought Benjamin Franklin said something like that. But yes, I mean, uh, academics, Obama, you remember Obama said you didn't build that? Uh, it's, it's very common um, within, uh, within academia, within psychology, uh, within philosophy, even, uh, you know, Rawls, John Rawls certainly believed this, um, within, um, and within politics to believe that what happens to you is a consequence of things you have no control over. It's the genes you were born with, the parents you were born with, the country you were born into, the environment you were born into, the opportunities they were surrounded with. And that you had nothing to do with it. You did nothing. Indeed, how many people out there in the world, particularly if they're among intellectuals, actually believe in free will? And if you don't believe in free will, you did not build that. Your genes did or whatever. You're just an automaton. You're just a robot. So what moral dessert is there? There can't be moral dessert if there's no free will. So, of course, you want to call it luck. Luck has something to do with it. Yeah, you, you were born in America, not born in Tahiti, right? Or Iran. But that is silly. The whole bringing that up is stupid. Because the fact is that you were born where you were born with the genes that you have, into the family that you have, 
And now the fundamental question is, what are you going to do about it? Now, it's true. It, it's ridiculous to blame somebody who's born in Iran or North Korea or Cuba for not succeeding in life. Well, yeah. All right. But if you're not born in one of those places, then you have amazing opportunities in life to make something of yourself. But you have to do it. So given the metaphysical context, your genes, the environment in which you were born, the country in which you were born, those, the century in which you were born, those are metaphysical. There's no judgment there. It's not like you can say it's unjust that somebody was born in North Korea. It's no issue of justice. Justice only pertains to human choices. And since no human choice was involved, particularly if you ban abortion, then there's no injustice. It just is. Now the question is, given this metaphysical context, what do you do with it? What have you done with what you have? And that requires free will. That requires you to mobilize the resources that you have to make your life the best life that it can be. And that's what morality is about. Adam asks, what is the relation between pragmatist philosophy and education and the average voters and politicians' ignorance and inability to think about economics? So, you know, the pragmatists, pragmatists are a school of philosophy, American school of philosophy, William James and John Dewey and several others late 19th century, early 20th century. And pragmatism is the idea that there are no principles. There is no long-term, there is no absolute truth. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There's no point in planning the long term because there's no way to know what's going to happen in the long term. It's a complete skepticism. And therefore, what you have to do is in a sense, what you can get away with. What will work in the moment? What will, what, 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 what will work? Alexander Dugan, in that interview that I showed you bits of, praises the pragmatists and calls them the true American philosophy. Not the founding fathers. They were men of the Enlightenment and therefore a false philosophy. 
But he praises pragmatism because of its lack of objectivity, its lack of objective reality, its lack of uh, objective truth, and its willingness to shift and switch and lie if you need to. And, and pragmatism, unfortunately, because of primarily because of Dewey, has become a primary feature of educational system. It's called progressive education. And do we believe that education's purpose is not to teach you content and teach you how to think, but he believed that the purpose of education was to socialize you. And as such, it undermines thinking and it undermines knowledge. It undermines cognition. The purpose of education is cognition, is in the end to teach you how to think, and for that you need content. You need to know something, have facts that you can think about. So um, when you don't teach people how to think, when you don't give them facts, when you socialize them, when you teach them that things relative, relative, then what you get is the kind of unthinking uh, electorate that we have today and unthinking politicians that we have today. And you have complete pragmatists who satisfy localized emotions and localized special interest groups. Now, look, politicians have always been corruptible and corrupt in so many ways. But it's only getting worse. Uh, politicians are becoming more and more pragmatic, less and less principled. Donald Trump is probably the most pragmatic president we've ever had. I mean, that was, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, by far, the most pragmatic president we've ever had. And uh, nobody knows anything anymore. Who can tell? There are no principles. You don't know. We'll redefine everything. Somebody said the FDA is compatible with capitalism. So are tariffs compatible with capitalism. You know, regulations, statism is compatible with capitalism. It's a complete loss of cognition. It's a complete loss of the ability to think, to, to actually define concepts, to actually have ideas, to have principles, to fight for them. Nobody knows anything. It's all emotion. And emotions can be easily manipulated. We saw that. We've seen that forever. We've seen that with Obama. We saw it with Trump. We see that today, you know, less able to manipulate. He's, that's why his popularity is so low with Biden. <laughs> the FDA is needed for things like the opioid epidemic. What's needed for the opioid epidemic is to legalize drugs. Oh, did you see Trump today? That's kind of funny. Trump today, I think it was today, I saw the speech he was giving. And uh, he was hailing Singapore. Hailing Singapore. Why is Singapore a wonderful place? Well, because they take no shit. Because in Singapore, they have a death penalty for drug dealers. And we are weak. We're so weak with drug dealers. In Singapore, they have a death penalty for them. 
strong leaders, strong leaders. Let's put a death penalty on drug dealers and maybe life imprisonment for drug use. That'll show them. That'll show them. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. The only rational, consistent with freedom and individual rights policy with regard to drugs is to legalize them 100%, drive the cartels out of business by making them so cheap that you don't have to kill for them. Crime plummets. Drug use goes up. So what? Crime plummets. The treatments for drug addiction go up through the roof. And if addicts, you know, what do we care about addicts? Addicts will get treatment or they'll die. Why is that our concern? We, we, want, we, we kill innocent people. We have the gangs killing innocent people. We have the gangs, you know, destroying li- people's lives. As, so as to save the addicts from themselves. All right, thanks, Adam. All right, more Fend Harper. Fend Harper's on a roll today. Have, have you did a rule of life? I need to do a rule of life on grammar. Come on, Fend Harper. Grammar, basic grammar. Have you done a rules of life or just a normal episode about friendship, like its value and virtues and by what standards? I think it's an underrated concept in the lives of most adults and teens. I've talked about friendship. I've talked about friendship, but maybe, maybe I need to do more of that. You know, I'm probably starting to repeat myself in the rules of life. Um, but so what? I, I mean, you guys tell me when you're sick of them. Um, and my sponsor will yank my money when he's sick of them. So um, uh, that's a good one. Rules of life, friendship. Friendship isn't interesting. I like its value and virtues and the standard of it. Good. Shazbot, don't wear a tie. Won't, I promise. Frank asked, do you have any examples of, of Rand's tiddlywink music? Is it like Boogie Woogie? I think so. I mean, I don't have, I think it's like Boogie Woogie, but I don't have anything right off the cuff, and I certainly don't remember the name of it. Um, it, it, it at the Institute, they have, they have like a CD, or they have a, a list of, of like the 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 um, tiddlywink music she loved, but it's very lighthearted, very happy, lighthearted music. I think Leonard is is working on some stuff about songs from the early part of the twentieth century. He might have something to say about tiddlywink music, but I, I I'd have to go and do a little bit of research to get you an answer for that. Jeff Elias, thank you, Jeff. I am at a crossroads considering starting an electrical shop in California or having all the thoughts you just mentioned, get a tech degree, any thoughts? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult question. I, I don't know what an electrical shop in, involves. I don't know how regulated the business is. 
generally small businesses are mostly left alone. It's when you're successful that and, and grow big that you get into big trouble. But I don't know. I, I don't know what an electric business, but, but these are the kind of trade-offs that you have to think about. Um, could you move out of California and start it somewhere else? Right? Could you, could you start it um, in a different state where there's less regulation? Um, is it a construction or repair business? It, you know, what, what exactly, what kind of business is it? But look, my guess is you can make good money. You can, for the most part, run your own life, do your own thing. I still think small businesses... Again, depending on the sector and depending how involved the government is, you can still benefit enormously from having your own business. So I I don't want to discourage you. And I am generally on the side of take risks. Try stuff. Give it a shot. You know what? Start the electric shop. Give it a shot. If for some reason it doesn't work out, you can always go and get a degree. You can always do that. But if your passion is really to try to run your own shop, then do it. All right. Let's see. Okay. Ryan says, I love the term objective-ish. I will use it. <laughs> Fen Harper, coming to Michigan anytime, again, anytime soon. Nothing planned. Um, Ohio, a couple of, one in Ohio and one in Indiana. Talking Indiana and talking Ohio. Where they're banning abortion left and right. All right. Uh, Stefan Burns. Hillsdale has a new econ course about Arthur Laffer and his Laffer curve. What are your thoughts on him? I never heard of this guy. Oh, Art Laffer is a, an important economist of the last 30 years. He was very influential with the Reagan administration. Um, his heyday was the 80s and 90s. He was very influential in the 80s and 90s. He's still a huge influence on many within, I think, the, the kind of libertarian-ish, libertarian uh, uh, inclination I think he's influential on people like Stossel and and a lot of others. Uh, The famous Laffer curve basically says that if you, that there is a optimal tax rate at which you maximize revenue for the government. And if you increase taxes beyond that rate, people start working less and revenue for the government actually drops. So it's not true that maximizing the tax rate, maximizing revenue, so uh, the Laffer curve has to do with the curve at, you know, at which um, kind of the optimal, the optimal level of taxation to maximize revenue. Now, I've never liked that because I don't want to maximize government revenue. I want to minimize government revenue because uh, it's the only way to get the government to minimize its spending. But um, that is true, right? If you raise taxes beyond a certain amount, people... There's less, and it's been shown to be true. When Reagan cut taxes, revenue actually went up. Um, but La- Laffer is generally a 
pro-free markets economist. Um, I don't, and, and he's called the supply sider, which I think is also important. Recognizing, you know, Keynes focuses on demand. Keynes focused on demand. Uh, you know, a dropping in demand causes recessions or depressions. And, and there's no, the supply. Supply means production. And, and one of the great virtues about Laffer is that he focuses on the demand, on the supply side. Well, what happens to the production of goods? What happens to the amount of goods? What happens to the quality of goods? It's not just about demand. It's about demand and supply. And actually, supply is more important because supply is where we produce the stuff. And without production, there is no consumption. So he's an important economist of the last, what is it, 40, 50 years. Daniel says, is it legitimate to be able to sue for tens of millions of dollars for a wacko conspiracy theorist uh, making up things about school shooting? I don't like Alex. It's just the amount of money seems absurd. Well, the, no, the, the lawsuit was for $4 million. And it was, you know, it was a defamation lawsuit. Um, he, you know, he was basically defamed and, and uh, the parents... I mean, what he did was horrible. This is Alex Jones. And um, they sued him for $4 million. And then there uh, is a penalty because, you know, he did this knowing that he was lying. He didn't do this out of innocence. So there's penalty. Now, uh I don't know if an objective legal system, you would have caps on penalties or maybe not have a penalty at all, only have, um, only have uh, you know, the, the damages. But the penalties are there to make sure that people behave, that people don't do this again. Um, so $40 million yeah, is, uh, is what the penalty is. So he's going to have to pay over... Close to $50 million total, I think, uh, for it. Is that a big amount for somebody like Alex Jones? Probably not. He's probably worth a lot more than that. Is that a big amount given what he did to the lives of these parents? Probably not. Given the kind of lawsuits and the numbers that we penalize corporations all the time for nothing? So, I don't know. I, you know, I'm... I'm I, I, you know, I despise Alex Jones. I don't just don't like him. I despise Alex Jones. I think I think he's real scum. Um, and uh, if if a lie of his, and him perpetuating a lie that really hurt people, people who lost their kids, um, if that drives him out of business, now I, I don't know if the numbers are legitimate or not. You'd have to think about it. You'd have to think about it. He's worse than a clown. He's an evil little... Ugh. No, I would never debate Alex Jones. I, I don't debate people who, whose profession it is to lie. What are you debating? You're debating nothing. You're debating a zero. Never debate Alex Jones. That's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the... I think the $4 million award was the right award. And then you have to be think, then you have to think about, um, should you allow penalties for defamation lawsuits? 
And if we do, since we do, I don't see why um, why uh, you wouldn't in this case. And if you don't, then we'd have to have a real reason why we don't have penalties and, and what the role of penalties is in lawsuits and things like that. Um, it's, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, Daniel says, thanks, I despise him too. Sorry for the lack of emphasis. No problem. Um, Cook says they should call it the Wallet Reduction Act. The problem with the Wallet Reduction Act is that's true of every bill that comes through Congress pretty much. So uh, that's true of the CHIPS bill. That's true of all of them. So how do you define Wallet Reduction Act 1, Wallet Reduction Act 2, Wallet Reduction Act 3? It gets too, too much, right? All right. Yeah, I will. I won't have any. I wouldn't have anything to do with somebody like Alex Jones. Let's see. Michael says I have a ton of unrelated questions. Do you want me to hold off until tomorrow? Yeah, given that we're already an hour forty minutes in, Michael, let's let's just do it tomorrow. Appreciate that. Thank you. Um, Michael asks anyway. Uh, do you respect Dick Cheney for tearing into Trump? You know, I don't respect Dick Cheney, but I like the fact that he tore into Trump. And I think you need courage these days if you're a Republican to tear into Trump. So I'll give him that. So I was, I, my, my estimate of him went up a little bit. But he's also, remember, his daughter's under attack by Trump. Um, but um, I resent Dick Cheney for... His neoconservative, well, he's not really a neoconservative, but I, I was to resent him from what he did under Bush for, for his behavior and his guiding of foreign policy under Bush. Now, some people are upset because I smugly dismissed uh, Alex Jones. How can you not smugly dismiss Alex Jones? How can you take Alex Jones seriously? How can you like him in anything that he does. I mean, this goes back to what I got angry with about last time. Because he hates the left. Yay! We're going to embrace every, you know, horrible, you know, just disgusting, lying, you know, awful human being. We're going to hug him. We're going to embrace him. We're going to make him our ally because he hates the left. And yes, some people out there, some people out there like Alex Jones because they're nihilists. They, they have elements of nihilism. They like to see things smashed. And Alex Jones goes out there and smashes stuff. Michael says, should we all buy property soon? Because in 20 years, due to status policies, only wealthy people will own and the rest of us will be renters. Um. I would buy it now. Why, why soon? You should buy it right now because mortgage rates are going up. Um, you, you want to take advantage of relatively low mortgage rates right now and, and, uh, and, and buy stuff because the value of it will go up. But, uh, you know, if statism is not abated in the next 20 years, the problem is not going to be owning versus renting. The problem is going to be 
the fact that you're not free. Housing is not going to be the issue. If statism continues over the next 20 years, you should start looking for somewhere to move to that might be marginally better and marginally more free than where you are today. Because right now, not going well. Uh, we're going to do the housing shortage another time. And the solution is obvious. Build, build, build. Nate says, appreciate the knowledge. Thank you, Nate. Uh, sorry about the housing that I'm only going to talk about it next time. It's just already an hour and 45 minutes in. Uh, Stefan, thank you. Really appreciate it. Michael asks, Mark said capitalism was a system of exploitation, but altruism has to be the most successful tool for exploitation in human history. Everything they say is the opposite of reality. Well, but what do you mean by exploitation? You, you have a very screwed up um, perspective, perspective on exploitation because you think of it in individualistic terms. And uh, altruism is, is not exploitative from the perspective of the collective. Uh, you know, uh, communism and altruism and socialism uh, don't exploit. They are beneficial from the perspective of the group, from the perspective of the collective. Some people are sacrificed to others, but it's for the common good. So there's no exploitation when it's the common good that's involved here. You're just looking at it from, from a perverse perspective, and that is the perspective of individualism. So it's true that everything they say is opposite of reality, but it's not true that reality is self-evident. It's not true that what we think is, yeah, why don't they get it? It's just so simple. It's right here. It's not, and, and it goes against all the philosophy that's been taught for, for at least 2,000 years. Mr. Muffin, uh, do you believe socialism is inevitable once the world is generating enough money for every individual? No, I, I don't think you're going to get socialism. I mean, what do you mean by socialism? Is a welfare, uh, first of all, nothing's inevitable. Nothing is inevitable. We have free will. There the, the, the are a variety of different options of what can happen, and socialism is not and never has been inevitable. Um, but if you mean by socialism, um, communism, uh, you know, a, a, a real drive towards equality, that is not going to happen. If you mean by socialism redistribution of wealth, yeah, of course. Uh, that is, it happens today. It's already there today, the welfare state, and it's only going to increase. Uh, but that's not inevitable. That's just highly likely, highly likely because of the ideas that we have, highly likely because of altruism. Um, but I think we're much more likely to let up and to, and to move towards fascism and towards, author, towards authoritarianism, not in the name of egalitarianism, but in the name of something else. I don't think, as I've said many times, that egalitarianism, taken seriously as the left does, is a, uh, is a winning strategy, is a governing strategy, is a winning strategy for governing. I just don't think it can dominate. I don't think it will. On that positive note, we're going to get fascism, not socialism. God, it's terrible. Um, Paul says, Tiddlywink music examples, Canadian Keepers and Amina. Um, there, is a, there is a course um, appreciating Ayn Rand's Tiddlywink music by Christy Bokren. 
Um, and there's also Mike Berliner played some uh, Tiddlywick music at an Ocon in the past. So there is information out there about Tiddlywick music. You can do a little research. You can probably find it. I am just not an expert on Rand's biography and since and, and on Tiddlywick music. Certainly not a biography. All right. Don't forget to like the show before you leave. Give it a thumbs up. It helps with the algorithms. It helps with YouTube. It really is a big help to the show. So before you leave, don't forget to give a thumbs up. We've had many more than 100 people on the show, uh, listen to the show. Many of you have not yet given it a thumbs up. So just like the show before you leave. Uh, that's one. Um, second, if you want to support the show and you're not listening live, or even if you are listening live, the best way to do it is to do it um, as a monthly contributor on Subscribestar, on Patreon, on Locals, on my website, youonbookshow.com slash support. Although right now the website is not the way it should be, so not my preferred method for today. So Patreon or Subscribestar would be great. Hopefully the website will be working within the next few days and, and we'll be able to refer you there as well. Thank you to all the super chatters. You guys were amazing. In particular, thank you to Todd, who really took us over the, 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 um, the target early on tonight, and that was fantastic. So thank you, Todd. Thank you to everybody listening. Don't forget to share. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to... Uh, let people know about the Iran Brook Show. Let's get subscribers up. Um, share, 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 share. See you tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll also have a show Monday. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you about. Uh, I'll tell you about this new woke phenomena, a new woke, and how to deal with it. How I think one should deal with it. So, um, uh, we'll, so we'll talk about Native Americans. We'll talk about land expropriation. We'll talk about the evil of colonialism. We'll talk about all of that. That is going to be Monday. That'll be a cool show tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. You got you to gotta show up tomorrow. Tomorrow's everything you want to know about ESG and we're afraid to ask. So tomorrow we're going to talk about socially responsible corporations, about ESG, about stakeholder theory, about all of those things and why, why, why they are so destructive and why, why, why they are so popular. Uh, so that is going to be tomorrow, 3 p.m. East Coast time. Thank you, Paul, my white, my home is indeed amazing. Thanks, guys, uh, and I worked hard to make it so. Talk to you all tomorrow. Bye.